Welcome to Art Speaks, a presentation of William King Museum of Art in Abington, Virginia. And our guest today is the executive director of William King, Betsy White. Welcome to the show. Thank you, David. I'm happy to be here. So uh, you have been associated with the museum from day one and even previous to day one, I guess. Uh, so won't you tell us just a little bit about how the uh, old William King School ended up being an art museum? Yes, um, it was the old William King School, as you say. It was a high school, and after uh, 1959, it was used as an elementary school. And about 1973, the public school system no longer needed this as a public school, so it was basically abandoned. And uh, community people were trying to figure out what to do with this. You know, it, it uh, occupied the hearts of a lot of people, this old building here. It's a beautiful building, built in 1913, um, very classical looking. And lots of people had gone to school here. So there was a lot of interest in what shall we do with this school. So Abingdon, uh, due to the Barter Theater, was known for its cultural assets. And a lot of people thought that this ought to be a part of that cultural community. And so by 1979, that was six years later, a foundation was formed to um, save the building and to determine what to do with it. And um, as you say, I was involved in it early on before I actually was the director of it. I was on one of those early foundation boards that was trying to figure this out and got really assigned with the task of let's figure this out. <laughs> So I, I enlisted the help of the Virginia Museum, the Virginia Commission for the Arts, the Virginia Association of Museums, and a couple of other um, state entities and developed a committee. And we investigated what was being done around the state and then what was needed here in our own backyard and determined that a museum was needed here that could focus on a changing exhibition schedule of all kinds of art and then also art education at the elementary level for, for our school systems. And so we decided to pursue the museum route and I shifted over from my volunteer position to my paid position. And then in 1990, we closed the building up for two full years to renovate it as a high security museum facility uh, with lots of help from the Virginia Museum, technical assistance from them. And in 1992, we reopened as a museum. It must be nice to just start with a clean slate and uh, not have any preconceived conditions to uh, operate in and create your own environment. Did you well, feel I, free? I, I, to, I, you can, you can look at it that way. I think maybe sometimes. <laughs> well, so out of the so the 30th anniversary of of William King's existence is coming up. I hope we're going to be having parties and galas and all kinds of events. But out of those 30 years, how many of those have you been the executive director? I have been here three different times. The first time was that first that first period from 1988 to about 1994 or five. And then the second time was 1997 until 2009. And then this time I've been here since 2016. So probably about 20 of the 30 years. And so when you um, think back to the time that the museum first kind of established itself, what its mission was going to be and so forth, and, and you compare that to where the museum is today, is it pretty much as, as it had been envisioned or were there some major uh, changes along the way? It is really pretty much as, as was envisioned. Those two needs that we found uh, initially, the lack of um, of high security art exhibitions throughout this uh, far Southwest Virginia region. And also the, the lack of a sequential art education program in a lot of the elementary schools 
still exists and our mission has addressed that. The only surprise came to us with our cultural heritage project, which you know is a big part of our mission now. Um, early on, at the very beginning, we were going to have one exhibition gallery and it was going to focus on just fine art, not particularly three-dimensional art or craft or anything other than just fine art. And so um, someone persuaded me to have a quilt exhibition during those first couple of years, which we did. It was called A Gift from Mother, The Quilt Legacy wow. of the Virginia Highlands. And it was it was lovely. And, and I didn't know a lot about it. So I, I, again, asked my colleagues at the state level, they guided me to the Valentine Museum's curator of costume and textile, Colleen Callahan. She was the one who guest curated that for us. And we had a very hard time. She had a hard time too, finding where anything was, any of the quilts were. So two things happened. One is that it drew in a whole new set of people. An audience expansion was tremendous and everybody was very enthusiastic. And you need to do more exhibitions like this. We're all over the place in comments. And then secondly, we discovered continued to, to note that there was no place to draw on information to create exhibitions that were more of a humanities kind of flavor rather than fine arts. And so all signs pointed to me talking to someone whose name was Roddy Moore. He was the director of the Blue Ridge Institute. So I called Roddy Moore up and uh, talked to him about it. And he said, well, there is no place to go to find an archive that you can figure out what to have for more exhibitions like that. And so why don't you just do it yourself? So therefore, that's what we did. We created the Cultural Heritage Project. We got funding from the National Endowment for the Arts. Um, I developed a consulting team head by, headed by Roddy Moore, and I put Colleen Callahan on it for textiles, and Wallace Gussler for, um, from Colonial Williamsburg for furniture and other kinds of things. He was the um, director of conservation there for furniture and master gunsmith and everything else um, that he has been over the years. But we hired a field researcher and did two years worth of research. That field researcher was Marcus King. And um, our team was fabulous. That's when I retired in order to administer that research there in 1994. The, the rest is really history. We're on like exhibition number 45 now. So that survey uh, has now been uh, documented and put online. And so if folks go to the William King homepage, they can click on the um, access to the archive and actually see all the, um, the items that have, that have been identified, not only that William King keeps, but that were part of that survey. And what is that over 2,000 items or something? Or? Oh, it's, it's, more, it's more like 4,000. 4,000. It started out when we finished that initial research, it was about 2,500. But of course, in every exhibition idea that has come out of that, it has required more research, which has built the archive. So the archive is now pretty extensive. So that is the only uh, type of uh, item that William King actually uh, tries to uh, keep an inventory of. I mean, we, we have a collection just dedicated to cultural heritage, as opposed to other art types uh, that we exhibit, but don't necessarily keep in our own inventory. Yes, I mean, I'll, I'll explain that just a little bit. I wouldn't say we are an unusual museum, but when, you, when most people think of a museum, they right off the bat think of permanent collections. And that is not how we ended up um, desi designing our mission. And really the definition of a museum has more to do with how you care for and display art than it does the collection it, it, it actually. So we are what's called a non-collecting museum. We were that until 
1998 when we, after extensive study, decided that we needed to develop a collection of this cultural heritage of this region, since there was none here, and this was a way to protect it further. And I know that is one of kind of our three major missions is that cultural heritage preservation of that. The, the overarching mission of the museum, though, is art education. And uh, I know we are uh, one of the primary providers of art education in Southwest Virginia. We have, we have about 12 school systems that, that we are the only art education in. Uh, so it's always kind of been interesting to me as uh, the fact that the grades selected for that program were first and second grade. I mean, excuse me, second and third grade is that the where the uh, Van Gogh program, our major art education program, is implemented. I would have thought that you might have gone for an older age that would have maybe been able to understand or appreciate the kind of information they were being given, like fifth graders. Or, of course, when I think back to my fifth grade, I don't know how much I would have absorbed. <laughs> but so, I, what was the process that? got the age groups selected for our programs. We felt like the second graders had developed fine motor skills that they could do something, but pri- primarily, primarily, we, the, other, the other void in our region is um, a lack of access to other cultures. Um, it's it's a, a fairly isolated, hard to get to any of the state capitals from a lot of the places that people live out here in Southwest Virginia. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's the prettiest place to live in the whole world. Some areas of it, however, are remote. And a lot of people are reluctant to, to drive the um, seven or so hours to another state capital or, or another big city. And for that reason, it's become fairly you know, homogeneous in, in, its, in its access to, to cultural traditions. And so we decided um, that we would, we would focus on, you see, we couldn't take, well, this is an outreach program, Van Gogh, it goes to the schools. And so we could not take these, this high security artwork out of the museum and take it with us. So we had to have another planning focus other than a piece of artwork. And we decided that we would use this study of other cultures to introduce children to other other cultures around the world. And we looked at the Virginia SOL standards of learning and saw that the world culture SOLs were in the second grade. And so that's precisely why we chose the second graders, knowing that they had developed their little fine motor skills enough that they could do some artwork. So, so the, the lesson plans that we use focus on learning about other cultures and doing an art project that relates to that. I know that the one for the um, Egypt lesson plan is something like my own pyramid. And there's another one that's called my very own amulet necklace. And so the children love it and we love it too. So the third major leg of the um, museum's mission is exhibiting fan art. So tell us about some of the um, exhibitions that you have fond memories of or some that were unusual and, and, and just stick in your head? Well, um, that's a spontaneous thought. We have had so very many good ones. Since we're sitting here in the state of Virginia, we had a whole exhibition on um, celebrating Virginia. It was called uh, Thomas Jefferson, I think, coined this phrase. I hope I'm saying this right. I think he did. But anyway, that happy land, he called it Virginia, that happy land. And so we titled this um, series, That Happy Land. And uh, part of it was on the the natural bridge and paintings of the natural bridge by various um, major artists, including Thomas Moran. 
Um, we also had Edward Byers, mid-19th century. He was a German artist who came over here to America and painted scenes all up and down Virginia, the Shenandoah Valley, and on out through the, through the mountains. And we had many of those of his paintings there, but it was, that was a wonderful one. Another one was, and this is still a Virginia exhibition, the state capitol closed to renovate itself um, some years ago. And so for some reason, I, I'm happy to say that the capitol um, decided that we could, we could um, have an exhibition from their collection while it was off, off display wherever it was in the capitol. So our curators um, went to Richmond and we chose um, three and two-dimensional works. For instance, the painting of Governor Wyndham Robertson, who was from Abingdon, and busts of other people that were related here to Abingdon or Southwest Virginia in some way. We had an exhibition called A Capital Collection, and uh, it was the state capital touring the state. And so that was just a beautiful, beautiful exhibition. We had another one, that, and this is the last one I'll mention, um, borrowed from a local collector that we all know well and revere their collecting skills um, from the pretty much the Hudson River Valley collection of artists. And this was the McLaughlin collection that well, you can go anytime and see now at the Virginia Museum. And that was a wonderful gift to the region that the McLaughlins made when we had that exhibition here. And we're getting ready to have another one that we hope is memorable starting in just what, two weeks or so. Exactly right. This is an amazing, people have called it the golden egg. And how did we do that? You want me to tell you about that a little bit? Yeah, let's tell folks. It's called Bernini, uh, the Roman Baroque, and it is from it is from Italy. It's touring Italy. Uh, there are only several locations in the United States, and we are one of them. It's the only one in Virginia. It will be here October the 14th, and it consists of probably 45 or so paintings, big, large paintings, as well as sculptures and other small objects. And the Baroque period is, is pretty much uh, 17th century, the Baroque period was um, sort of the godfather of, of Baroque period in some people's, most people's minds is Bernini. Uh, and he was primarily a sculptor. You can see his sculpture all over Rome, for instance, and it's, you've probably seen it and maybe not known whose it was, but that's who it was. And uh, that whole Baroque period is going to be celebrated here at the museum this fall until uh, the middle of January. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to see his work in Rome and uh, he just, it has this capability of just making what you think of as hard, heavy marble appear to be floating. It's just, it's just magnificent work. It is. I would encourage everyone who's listening before Bernini opens to just Google around a little bit and find their, their thing, their documentaries on him. And it, it, he's a, he was a very interesting man in addition to his um, amazing talent. So, Looking at the rest of the museum's uh, missions, I know one of them is to preserve the uh, the historical building that the museum is housed in, and we're currently upgrading the outside of that building to uh, make the entrance and accessibility a lot easier and a lot more pleasing, and to establish an event location at the museum. The other leg of our mission is to maintain our national accreditation and so why don't you tell folks a little bit about why national accreditation is important and how unique it is and how it helps the museum operate? Um, yes, certainly. Uh, I, just, I just finished giving you a, a super example of why it's important. All those exhibitions I just mentioned just then would never have been here had, had were we not accredited. In order to borrow 
artwork that's original artwork most of the time from another museum or from a lender. They want to have something that proves that you have the gallery space that is, is climate controlled, meaning not just air conditioned and heated, but the humidity levels are kept at a constant rate so that the artwork is protected from any kind of damage that would result from uh, fluctuations in, in, the, in the environment. Also, um, security cameras and, and guards here all the time are all necessary. And, and so it enables us to borrow the artwork that our mission ask us to do at the outset when we decide when we determined there were no other places in this large area of Virginia that could do that. And then secondly, it is um, it gives the public that we serve an element of trust in us that we are going to take care of um, great grandmother's uh, sideboard or great grandmother's painting of her great grandmother through our cultural heritage project for the same for the same kind of reasons and the and the public trust goes into the way we um, manage our, our, fin our finances and the way we serve the public, that, we, that our primary mission is to serve the public. And that is what we do. And I guess to brag a little bit, but we, between Roanoke and Knoxville, we are the only, maybe one other museum in the East Tennessee State, but we are the only accredited museum in that whole area. And when you look at how close other museums are accredited are, I mean, that our area also covers southern West Virginia and southeast Kentucky and so forth. So it's uh, we're we're kind of sticking up like a uh, not a sore thumb but a great flag in well, we, we museums so. in our area. There are a scarcity of museums of accredited museums, and that's for sure. In fact, around the United States, out of about thirty-five thousand museums, there are only a thousand that are accredited. So let me uh, remind our listeners, they're listening to Art Speaks on WEHC 90.7 FM, the voice of Southwest Virginia. And you can also follow WEHC online at wehcfm.com. And our guest today is Betsy White, and we've been talking a little bit about how the museum came to be and um, what uh, some of its missions are and how those have been met. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, the museum moving into a new strategic area, which was uh, a decision that we should be more involved or do whatever we could to support the economic development and business uh, environment in, in our region. So talk a little bit about some of the things that we have done. I mean, I know we have artist studios, so we're kind of like a well, we have 12 or 14 artists in residence now that are, uh, that are operating their own small businesses. And uh, but talk a little bit about some of the other things we have done that uh, are focused on contributing to the uh, economic well-being. Well, of course, the whole entire campus, everything that we that we just were have been talking about all along with the exhibitions that um, that I've mentioned, as well as the, the those are exhibitions of uh, world fine art. We also have we opened last night an exhibition of it's a biennial exhibition called From These Hills that celebrates the artwork of, of artists who are working in this region using a guest curator from outside the region in order to develop connections and make make bridges over to other 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 opportunities for artists who are working here. Um, this particular curator this time is from the prestigious High Museum in Atlanta. Michael Rooks, and we had that opening last night. So that exhibition draws our draws people here, as well as our all of our cultural heritage exhibitions draw people here, and and to show off what's going on here in this region, both historically and contemporarily. 
And then those exhibitions like Bernini are just are, are, are world fine art that are at its best. So for all those reasons, we are a tourism draw. And that's definitely a part of Southwest Virginia's um, strength economically is, is that it is a good place to visit. Specifically new is the renovation of the, um, of the annex building right next to us that was built in 1954 as an annex to this, to this building. And we've recently re renovated it and call it the Art Lab. And it is where you mentioned we have um, artist studios as well as sort of an artist incubator business like there. But we also have in there, uh, in addition to all kinds of labs, printmaking labs, ceramic lab, photography labs, we have something called a digital lab. And it is brand new. It has merited funds from the Virginia Tobacco Commission, as well as USDA Rural Development, and most recently from Go Virginia, which is set up ex exclusively to promote economic development. And so I think that everyone is looking to the digital lab as a place for um, businesses to send um, employees to be trained in, in, in everything technologically oriented towards marketing efforts or other things. We, we actually have a 3D printer to test out new products. And of course, that is designed to help budding our entrepreneurs either in, at a high school, college level, or adults themselves in honing their skills um, in, in a digital way. We have the entire Adobe Suite, suite um, certification program going on here. So that's, that's a big step forward for us. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how everything at William King gets paid for. I mean, the admission is free, so we don't get revenue from admissions. We want the museum to be as open as to as many people as possible. You've mentioned classes that are put on, and some of those, I think, have fees associated with them, but nothing outrageous. So talk a little bit about what other sources of income uh, that the museum depends on. Well, th that's a great question, and it's good for people to know this. As a matter of fact, I think I think people look at us and think that we are um, don't need to be don't need to be supported very much. We have everything we need, which is certainly not true. There's a big need for um, donated income. In fact, those class fees and things of that nature are are what we have as earned income, and that is extremely small in proportion to what we get from donated income. We have only the capacity to earn around 10% of what we need um, every year to operate. The rest of it is really, this is such a public place. Um, we determined not to charge admission because it defeats the purpose of trying to serve the public in the way we do. So we are supported um, in operating funds at the federal, state, and local government level, as well as enormous amounts from individuals who support this uh, throughout this region and beyond. We also are attractive to granting agencies, uh, foundations that are private, but you know, it is always a struggle. And um, uh, hopefully uh, we know we do, we're doing all right. We have a very good board of trustees that works hard to um, generate more income. And we, we hopefully put on an excellent program that makes it worthwhile to support it. Well, we just have a minute or so left, Betsy, but I just want to thank you for what you have done to make William King what it is today. And uh, and it continues to grow. That's one thing that always surprises me about the museum is how many new activities or programs or uh, activities for families to participate in uh, keep being added so that it's uh, it's a very dynamic place. And so as you probably are uh, looking forward to another retirement period, 
you, you, you just try to have some gaps in there to recharge. So what is going to be your next big project after William King? Do you have something in mind? No, I don't. How could you have anything in mind after that? I don't know. <laughs> another survey. You can do another survey of uh, and find some more treasures out in the mountains. Right. The Cultural Heritage Project is is um, is certainly that's certainly something that's ever growing. Yes. Bethany, thanks a lot for being on the show. Thank you, David. And we will um, see you at the museum. All right.